but uh, I'm not impressed by your performance. Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. Hello and welcome along to chapter 31. 31. 31. TH. I got a little bit of abuse last week saying 30. 30. So, this is chapter 31 of What's the Story podcast. My name is Danny Murray. His name is Graham Merrow American. What's up? You well? Great. Brilliant. You look beautiful, man. I'm very excited. Me too. Um, new beginnings. This is it. That's, that's what this entire chapter is about today. New new beginnings. The relaunch. New, new everything. Um... We have a new home. Yes. We've moved out, Graham. We're wearing our t-shirts. That's it. We're not yeah, freezing we're not in the gym anymore. as much as we appreciated the we gym. Um, we are coming to you from the beautiful surroundings of Fitzpatrick's Castle in beautiful, beautiful Cloyne, in beautiful, beautiful Dublin. Um, Ireland. It's our, yeah, it's our new <laughs> for home. Our, for our um, international audience. International audience. Come on, the lads. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. We've, um, we've been fortunate enough that uh, the guys in Fitzpatrick's have said, yeah, we, we're more than happy to come on boardages and let us use the facilities. And it's beautiful up here. Um, it's local enough. So anybody from the border is definitely going to know it. Yeah. Anybody from Dublin knows about this place. And people from Ireland, you need to. If you're coming to Dublin, book a weekend away, get up here. Fantastic views overlooking the beautiful Dunleary Harbour, overlooking the beautiful Dunle- uh, Dublin Bay even. Docky Head. Dark, yeah, and you've got Cloyney Hill, just, just a five-minute walk. You have the Dart Station. Dart Station nearby. You've uh, you want, man. Bars of Chipper. Is Bars of Chipper any use? I'm a Palm Beach man. Palm Beach? I haven't had a Palm Beach in but, years. But bars not, is delicious. But well, hang on a second. You're in an award-winning hotel. Exactly. Why would if you I'm go going to eat, I'm going to eat in Fitzpatrick's. Why are you going to go to the Chipper? Because you've got an award-winning restaurant just this week, in fact. Fitzpatrick's won the CIE Best Hotel Food of the Year. Unbelievable. Can't wait to go out to PJs and try some of the food, man. After this. <laughs> After this, going straight in. I have my knife and fork here with me. My babe tucked into me short. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Award-winning podcast and an award-winning establishment. It's a, it's match made in heaven. Match made in heaven. Long um, long may it last. Yeah. I, I actually, I have to confess, I've never actually eaten PJs. I've eaten the dungeon downstairs. Um, I think the dungeon's maybe a little bit more on the kind of casual side. PJs more, maybe more kind of, you know, if you're going for a birthday, maybe. Yeah. Um, the dungeon food is unbelievable. So if I went to PJs, I'd be expecting a little notch above. You know? I've, I've oh, been I have to say, the entire crew seems like they're well on point up here. Yeah, I've been at many a wedding here as well. Uh, yeah, I've gone to my cousin got married here, Josh, um, and it was it was a great day. By Josh Murray, Josh Murray, yeah, great guy, uh, lovely family. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to um, Michael Duffy's wedding here. This summer. Mikey Duffy. Yes, he's no, getting married here. June twenty third. Great guy. Wreck the gaff. Congratulations, Mikey. Um but yeah, it's look, we're delighted. Um we're delighted to be up here. It's it's a great, great venue. There they've been Mark and and, uh, and the crew up here have been nothing but um sound and wonderful and, and gracious and accommodating. So a uh, huge thanks to them and we're looking forward to getting stuck in and new beginnings and all that kind of thing from a new New home. We're working on new logo. Yeah, we've got everything going, man. It's see to, to give people a little bit of an idea. Lindsay, um, 
Who? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only joking. Uh, last week, obviously, was Lindsay's last uh, chapter with us. She's got a lot of things going on that she needs to concentrate on. You know, she's trying to get into the UFC. She's working with Ashley and Daly up the UFC. She's working with the guys out in SBG. She's got a lot of nutrition stuff going on, busy business wise. Um, she obviously has personal training and the gym and her jujitsu and all those kind of things. So I suppose from her point of view, she needs to put the head down and concentrate on those for a little while. So um, we completely understand. And uh, obviously, you know, we love her and miss her, but we wish her nothing but success with uh, with everything that she's going to do. And Keep an eye out for her progress because our first fight is coming up soon as well. Yeah, up in Belfast. <laughs> well, yeah. is it her first fight, Dan, or did I include the amateur? the amateur tournament I, I don't know the Europeans I don't know but this is definitely our first one in Ireland on, on the island of Ireland yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm sure she's dying for it just as much as we are more obviously but so, uh, we, we'll be keeping an eye and look she, she'll be back on sometime yeah she will um, but obviously a as lot a of guest. people as a guest um, in in a weird kind of format where <laughs> she used to be amongst us and then we'll be saying hey you what's the story <laughs> um, what but, about the spice bag last week yeah, she wasn't impressed with the spice no, bag, was she? No. Um, but look, a lot of people kind of reached out and said they were sad to hear her go and th- they'll miss her and they wish her well and we, we echo those sentiments and those thoughts. So, Lynn, thanks man, for everything and uh, sure we'll see you at training anyway. Like, do you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, so uh, that, that means it's me and Graham from now on at the helm, um, which is beautiful. And uh, we're, we're forming our own little clique. The NWO of podcasting world. Absolutely. Too sweet, baby. Oh, I love it. Oh, um, so, yeah, and as I say, we've got a great venue behind us now. We've got a couple of great guests lined up. And we were supposed to bring the Peter Coonan this evening, but um, due to unforeseen circumstances, unfortunately, he had to cancel. But uh, we'll try to get him back on again some other time when, when time permits and when he's uh, when he's able. Um but yeah, he's he's got a play coming up. I think it's uh, Juno and the Peacock. Yeah, Sean, Sean O'Casey fame. Yeah, so he's treading the boards. He's doing well. That that looks um, that sounds good. I'm, I might look into going to that. It's in no, the gate theatre, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's in the gate. Yeah, um, it's great. I actually done it for. I've seen it with Juno. Sir, to be leaving, sir. It's a long time ago really? now. Really, but I remember it, and I remember actually enjoying it, which was weird because you know when you're in school, you don't really enjoy those kind of things. Yeah, because you, know? you have to do it. It's part of the yeah, yeah, exactly. Curriculum. But I actually did, I think that because it was based in Dublin and, you know, when you were assigned roles for reading it out during class, you yeah. could put on a bit of a Dublin accent. What, what year did you do that? Either third year or, or for me leaving cert. I can't remember what which What did time. I do? I mean, Shakespeare. See, I actually repeated the leaving cert, so that's probably not helping with me confusion here. <laughs> um, I failed maths first time around, so I had to repeat. So there you go. But I came back and I bossed it. Did you? What was yeah. it like doing seventh year in Lawrence's? Grand. Loved yeah. it. Loved it, Yeah didn't have any problems at all yeah it was great because i remember like being first the first first year to fifth year in lawrence well maybe first year to fourth year in lawrence yeah. is kind of saying who do these think they are coming in here with their coming uniforms. in here but yeah they're on yeah. uniforms but then as i was in fifth and sixth year like sixth year we hung around with a couple of them and we we're yeah. going out and dr- for drinks with a couple of them and all still see some of the seven years actually yeah yeah it's still uh still now some of them still in touch with some Cliff of them Cliff henry and Tucker and all yeah. those. Now some of the lads then obviously that we repeated with obviously still be in touch with and all that kind of thing. So yeah, like it was grand. It was grand. Not it was Miss O'Shea or no, Miss Madeline O'Shea. There's a name from the. She had long since retired. Has she for about the fifteenth time? But the time she not still up there. <laughs> she's she still she uh, she never knew what it was weird. She never actually knew my name. She used to just call me Sparky. 
Sparky because he used to have blonde hair. Remember that bleach? Oh yeah, hair? Jared yeah. Brian O'Driscoll bleach mom. And uh, exactly when I was trying to emulate Bod with me, uh, me mad hair. Oh, Scarlet. And uh, she I was never allowed to bleach me hair. She used to call me Sparky as a result of that because she could never remember my name. In fairness, thousands of names had gone through that school, and yeah. you know who was I for her to remember? Kind of thing. She's still but alive. I think she is, yeah. I do see Brother Fred and Brother Jim. I seen Saint Brother Marcus. Fred yesterday morning at the traffic lights. Is it? Yeah. yeah. And then home. I seen him, um, Ballyrack Bulls are playing up in Lawrence's on the 9th of January. We're on the Bulls. We're on the Bulls, where we won. Yeah. Um, and he was he was there at the start, and uh, he comes over to me and goes, Hey, Grammy, what are they playing here, soccer or basketball? <laughs> and I was like, Fred, there's 10 wheelchairs on court there, but they're hardly playing football, like. He's brilliant, doesn't he? Uh, he's nuts. He hasn't changed, has he? He no. hasn't aged a bit. He has not. He's a great bloke. Um, so, but, but yeah, there you go. So this is the kind of thing that will happen every so often. We'll go off on a little local tangent about <laughs> memories from the border. But that's, you know, that's part of the beauty of you. You're getting local knowledge. Local, yeah. Lo- we're bringing Ballybrack to the masses. We're making you, areas. making you, uh, the Americans that listen and the Nep- Nepalese that listen. Our, making, two, our two South Korean fans. Th- 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 that has to have increased because the amount of likes that we've got from, yeah, I've recently noticed that on recently. Facebook from like Southeast Asia countries. Tell you what we'll do. Tell you what we must do. Seeing as though we're in uh, a world-class award-winning establishment, such as Fitzpatrick's Castle, <laughs> Cloyney, County Dublin, we're going to, uh, we should organise an international listeners' convention and do a live show <laughs> in the ballroom. That would be amazing, <laughs> wouldn't it? A convention. What's the story yeah, convention? Exactly, yeah. And we'll ask all our listeners, what's your story? <laughs> Come on, send, fly into Dublin just to tell Send you us. wheeling out into the audience with a live mic. What's your story? They probably didn't even know I was in a chair. What will they do now? <laughs> yeah. They'd probably <laughs> hence, like, what happened, Merrill? Hence, hence the belly black balls and the wheelchair. <laughs> yeah. Wheelchair basketball. Um, but, yeah, look, it's uh, it's new beginnings and new everything, I suppose. So you're going to notice a couple of changes um, as we adjust to life without Lindsay. So this is kind of chapter one AD <laughs> after Doyle. After Doyle. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, look, we're looking forward to we're looking forward to the challenge and we're looking forward to the... A lot of exciting things happening. We've got a lot to talk about tonight, um, but we'll kick off touching back on what we talked about last week in the face of the man who my next haircut is going to be inspired by, Donald Trump. Why, why is your next haircut? <laughs> <laughs> His wig. Is it's it a wig? It's not a wig. Is it real? It's real. Definitely real, man. Oh my That's God. That's not a wig. I, man, Donald Trump is, I don't think he'd be a good president. But there's a part of me that thinks... He absolutely wouldn't be a good president. There's a part of me that thinks that man is just... He's so brilliant. He's spectacularly bad. He's, or the, he's or like, um, he's like a, a, a movie villain or something like that. He's terrible. Yeah, he, that's actually a good way to describe it. Do you know what I mean? He's brutal. But we spoke about last week about um, the, the Iowa the yeah. Iowa caucus. That was... that was uh, The results came out of that this week. Yeah. And he failed... Miserably. Miserably. Well, uh, no, hang on. I, I was miserably. Well, was four by four. Here's the thing. Cruz got 28, he got 24. Yeah, here, here's the thing. The, the opinion polls had him in the high 30s, low 40s. They had him streets ahead. Uh, to the point where people, including myself, I thought he's going to walk it. And it's weird because Iowa is, it's a very kind of, you know, God-fearing, that kind of... Uh, evangelical. State, yeah, e- evangelical uh, state, you know. Which Trump isn't, Trump doesn't play to those kind of, those kind of guys, so... He was always going to be facing a bit of an uphill battle. So if, if if he doesn't play up to all of that, where were the polls coming from? Where were the poll results coming from? Because 
they usually allow what a two percent kind of discrepancy here or there. But that was if they said that they suggested that he was going to finish in the early forties, but in fact he finished at twenty four. And what is is that twenty four percent Dan? Twenty four percent of the vote in Iowa. Iowa. So but the, the real winner, crazy. The real winner was Rubio, the guy who came toward. Yeah, yeah. Because he was seen as being nowhere. Twenty three percent. He got twenty three percent. Now the fascinating thing about that is that now, where does it look like a two horse race in the Republican uh, primary? It now looks like, hang on a second, this could very well be a tree. Like, Cruz isn't going to have it all his own way. Trump is going to win a couple of places. But if if Marco Rubio can be as strong as that in other places, it's going to be interesting, man. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. And with the Democratic side of it, then, Hillary and um, Bernie, Sa- Sanders. Ber- Bernie Sanders are pretty much neck and neck. One percent re- only, like. I, I always get uh, interested in the, pres- the U.S. presidential election. Yeah. Um, I'm always glued to it, and I really like Bernie Sanders. Really like him. He's he. I don't know. He like he's been interviewed a few times. The American media are obsessed. I believe that they love people. They love the candidates shouting all over each other and giving each other stick. And the they dirty were campaigns, the like. dirty campaigns, and they asked uh, Bernie Sanders about Hillary Clinton, <laughs> and they asked like a derogatory question, and he's like, "No, I'm not going to answer that." She's she's a democratic colleague. She's in the, the the it's the Republicans and the Democrats. Yeah, I was getting tongue tied there. It was like Sorry. everyone's a Democrat. <laughs> yeah, but it's, no, it's, it's it's when they say Republicans, they don't mean Republicans as they do here, as in like kind of you know Sinn Fein and, yeah. and United Ireland. The Republican over there is more so a kind of the opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, they're not leftist at all. Like but, they wouldn't but, have a socialist kind of wing. But I enjoyed that about Bernie Sanders is that he wasn't about to kind of talk crap about Hillary Clinton, who he. Mm found his as his democratic party colleague yeah he was kind of going i haven't got time for this ask me serious questions ask me questions about the economy about how i'm going to rebuild it and stuff mm. like that and it turned out iowa gave it was 46.3 to sanders and 46.9 to hillary yeah, clinton basically one percent in difference between the two of them that's crazy uh, which is neck and neck so it will be interesting to see how that that's going to be the real one that's going to be tight i do think hillary will edge it but I think Bernie Sanders will give her a fright, like. Yeah. Um, she got through on the skin of her teeth, and I think she acknowledged that in her speech as well, like that. But she neck. didn't really have an acceptance speech as such. She just thanked Iowa. Exactly, and she acknowledged the fact that she know, was so close. It's, it's weird because that's probably the real political battle, whereas the Republican one maybe is more of a kind of curiosity factor. And like I, I'd be similar to yourself when the American primaries are going on for the presidential election. I love it, man. I'll eat that stuff up. You know what I mean? Um, and I love Super Tuesday. Super Tuesday, like, I I have booked Super Tuesday off work. Have you? Yeah, well, the, the Wednesday, so that I can follow a kind of live during the night and then go to bed during the day. Like. <laughs> um, because I love it. Like, it's just, it's crazy, you know? So you've got, Iowa's out of the way. Iowa's done and dusted now. But the, what was the significance of Iowa? I know you touched on it last week, but, like, I mean, Trump... Has lost Iowa, but yeah. he could still go ahead and be president of the state. Oh, of course, the United can, yeah. States. And what's weird is that Iowa has a bad track record in terms of picking, especially when it comes the to winners. Republicans. The 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 guys go on to get the nod to go on to go for the White House. You know, in two thousand and eight um, and two thousand and eleven, twelve, they they chose completely wrong. Um, they went with Rick Santorum, I think it was in two thousand twelve. Uh, I can't remember back as far as two thousand eight, but I, I think know they went with Huckabee in two thousand and eight. Did they? 
Might have been, yeah. Actually, now that you're saying that, yeah. You know? Um, so, but they've got it wrong. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. definitely the last two times. So, Iowa isn't a great yoke. And I, I can't know, like, there's swing states and there's all the estates that, um, that's kind of like, th- that's phrases like, as goes the state of New York, so does America. Do you know what I mean? And that's, you'll hear candidates say that in certain key zones because they believe that the influence of this particular place is so big that if they vote for this person, everywhere around there is going to vote for it as well. You know, it's popular around the Bible Belt as well. Nowhere to give you great insight to what all this is like. And we've talked about box sets, and I can't believe we've never talked about this. The West Wing. House of Cards. The West Wing as well. The West Wing's a fan. I love anything Aaron Sorkin does. But House of Cards. Sensational, man. How have we never brought up House of Cards? Surely we did in an early chapter. No, I I think when we listen back to all the stuff about box sets we've talked about, because it's something we talk about regularly, because who doesn't love a good box set? You know what I mean? House of Cards is fantastic. For example, Peter Coonan, who who could have been here this evening, as, you know, if uh, circumstances permitting, uh, love he. Probably one of the most popular and successful Irish shows ever. Great yeah. box set. But if we're talking American election and all that, House of Cards, Francis J. Underwood. Amazing. Oh, like, it is... The writing in it is just brilliant. It's brilliant. I love Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Love him. And in this show, he is fantastic. I could actually give it, I could take him or leave him, like... Really? Yeah. Loved American Beauty, loved The Usual Suspects. American Beauty, yeah. Kaiser Sose. American Love Beauty's it. actually brilliant, yeah. Great film, yeah. But, I mean... Ordinarily like, decent criminal, not so It's good. a slow starter, I thought House of Cards was. No, I really enjoyed it from, mm. like, the very get-go. I, like, remember when it first came out, I watched four episodes in a row, back-to-back, and I was late for work, so I had to turn it off and go to work. <laughs> so, <laughs> I went to work, I came home... Priorities, and I watched, Daniel. And I watched another three episodes... I think there's only 10 episodes in a season. Or 11 but that's or how you know you, you look, you're you stuck in. That because you watch three yeah. or four episodes. You binge watch. You binge watch it. But the the writing and the acting on that is brilliant. brilliant. And you're one um, Jenny from Forrest Gump. What's her name again in real life? Because she's not actually Jenny at all. Jenny from Forrest Gump? Yeah, that's Frances J. Underwood's wife. In a, I can't remember her name. No that's, way. That's going to really annoy me now that I can't think of her name. Frances Underwood? His wife. In the show. What's her real name? Yeah. She plays Jenny and Forrest Gump. It's going to wreck me. The second you say it, I'm going to know what it is. This is very exciting for the people listening. Graham is currently Googling while I try to remember. Francis. What's, no, what's, what's her name? Kathy Underwood. Underwood. I think, man, this, like, see, this is the thing. It only comes out once a year, around about this time of year, actually. It's coming, the next one's out in March, is it? I was going to say, March, I think it is. Yeah, it's been a year since I watched it. I've been trying to get people to watch it and catch up and, you know, but... I can't remember. Just if you go House of Cards, it'll give you the main characters on IMDb or one of them. <laughs> no, they're not giving me. Hold ah, on. Here. here, I'll do it now. Have it. Have it. All right, he's got it. He's got it. Go on, put me out of my misery. What's her real name? Jenny from Forrest Gump. Mrs. Underwood. I didn't even know it was Jenny from Forrest Gump. Uh, yeah, neither do I until I. Robin Roy. Robin Roy. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Roy. Click on her there. Jenny I don't from remember Gump. her being in. Because she Gump. looks totally different. She's slightly older now, you know? She's, she's been she's been she's in loads of stuff. She's very attractive. She's a great woman. Um, Didn't know what to think when she dyed her hair black in it though. Yeah, that threw me off as well. <laughs> See, I don't want to give spoiler alerts. I don't. Or I don't want to give spoiler. Uh, if you haven't rather. watched it now, come on. No, I don't know, man. I'm kind of want because when the spoiler ne- alerts stop, like it's on Netflix. You see, so some people mightn't have Netflix, and they might actually go and buy the physical. They're old school. They go out and buy the physical box set, 
Yeah. So can you buy house cards on a physical yeah, one? You yeah, can. Yeah, yeah. Netflix productions and all Netflix that. Netflix production. You can buy. Does that defeats the purpose of. It does, but I suppose they're catering to the older generation who wouldn't be tech savvy. You know? so. But anyway, yeah, so um, if you haven't checked out House Cards, check that out. It gives you a kind of great insight as to kind of the political world. And it's dark and it's seedy, and it's, but it's brilliant. I love how he's a gamer, isn't it? He is a gamer, yeah. That's <laughs> how he, re- he relaxes. He has two ways of relaxing. He goes on this kind of rowing machine he has in his gaff. Yeah. Um, or he plays PlayStation or Xbox. It's great. It's crazy. Brilliant. Um, brilliant. Um, do, you think, yeah. do you think the it, it's as dirty politics as House of Cards portrays in that... You know, the way the shenanigans Francis Underwood on. is like, okay, I'll back you if you do this and you do this. Definitely. But, like, did you see Trump? Did you see Sarah Palin with Trump? Yeah, yeah. My God, that like, was I, awkward. I, I, that's not just in America. Everywhere there's dealings going on behind closed doors. And put it right, this week, Enda Kenny, um, for people who aren't from Ireland, obviously, Enda Kenny is the Prime Minister, the Taoiseach of Ireland. And uh, it's five years since the doll, the 31st doll, was elected, which means that we now have to go back to the people and put it to vote again to form a new government. Um, so Enda Kenny, this week, went up to Ardison Ucranon, the president's gaff, went up to Michael Diggins and was like, uh, come on, want to go back to the people? Dissolve that doll. Let me Wh- at them. Why, so, why is it the shortest election run in history? I think there's a couple of different things that played into this. Um, Ivan Yates and Chris Donahue of News Talk Breakfast. I don't know if you ever listened to them. I, I quite like them. But before Christmas, they were saying, as far as back as November and October, they were saying there's talk that Enda's going to do it early and get a vote in before Christmas. But apparently that was reined in with the bad weather and that. They were like, nobody wants to be going on doorsteps and the lashings of rain and the cold and all that kind of thing. So they pulled it off a bit. I think Enda bottled it there maybe. And so there was a couple of things. The banking inquiry over here had to be finished. And then in recent weeks, then the scandal of abuse in care homes broke. So that had to kind of be dealt with a little bit. But still, is that still there, though? It's still there. It, it is, but at least now it's being addressed by this government and things are starting to, to roll on. But then Noonan came out today and said he, he was aware of that abuse case in 20 years ago. I know that. You know that. But, well, no, some of these abuse cases only took places in 2009 there's people putting a home in 2009 or something I don't really want to get into it because I yeah. don't know enough about yeah. it um, but I think part of the, the thing as well was they were watching the opinion polls they were watching and watching so they knew after the budget they'll get a little bit of a bounce because of USC universal social charge tax cut that kind of thing so they got a little bit of a bounce there so I think they were watching that and they were thinking, can we build momentum? Can we build momentum? If we announce a couple of things, can we, you know, like, for example, even as far as this week gone, Leo Varadkar announced that the, the HSA are going to be funding, um, are helping people with funding for um, uh, fertility treatment if they're looking to have a, a baby. A medical card, is it? Not necessarily on a medical card, but I think there's there's a process being put in. Like, I know in the UK they already have a system whereby people are having trouble. IVF. IVF. Uh, IVF yeah. treatment. Couldn't think of it there. Um, so, they're putting in a thing where they can do that, you know? So, I know that, that's, that, that would be seen as a good news story. So, when they're sitting on stuff like that, they're obviously thinking, you know, get that out there. And that'll build momentum in that. It's not very... So, it's, but it, it's, it could be detrimental to them as well. I think it has in, been, because in, the latest opinion polls have shown a dip in support of Fianna Gael. And, and the leader dip's crazy. Je- yeah, but here's the thing. Like, look, Enda Kenny's going to be the next Taoiseach, regardless. Mm. Nobody else, nobody else can, can do it. 
And he'll go missing now for the next three weeks as well. Fianna Gael do everything to keep him. They'll they'll put him on a tour bus or they'll have him around the country (laughs) coming out. But there'll be a TD on his shoulder and there'll be somebody else beside him. He'll be fielding everything. He'll have very little other than to say, like, you know, we're going to keep this country going. I find that laughable. He's the leader of the country and, you know... um, The leader of your country, you, you you look for leadership. You look for someone who can come out... Uh, on the steps of the doll and deliver a rousing speech or whatever yeah, I, like that. Do you know what I, I mean? And I, he, I, he just I, doesn't do any of that. I would put it to you then, name a world leader who does do that. Who, who, if you had to say, yeah, put them in charge of my country, who would, who would you say? The leader of Uruguay. What's his name? Hugo what? Perez. Hugo Perez. And what's so special about Hugo Perez? He lives in a, uh, uh, he lives in a, Basically, Council estate. I was going to say, basically in like a, a kind of farm type estate. Yeah. Where he drives an old school Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah. Um, he lives off just kind of whatever the, the working wage is. Pete, the people love him. They do love him. I think he's actually, I think he stepped stepped down. I think he did retire, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's how I came to lie. I didn't know him, to be honest, until he retired. Yeah, same. I read a story no, about my point is Guardian. That but my point is that, like, in 6-1 News yesterday, for example, the election was announced yesterday, yeah. we had every leader from every party on yeah. 6-1 News being uh, interviewed by Brian Dobson and Sharon yeah. Neville except Enda. Do you know why? Why? Because Enda released a video on social media yeah. announcing the election. So he's getting tech savvy. It's, no, it's, it's clever. It's clever. It's what he's doing is he's saying, you, you know what? See, it's clever, but you can see right through it, though. The vast majority of people can, yeah. And I, I would argue that it's genius in a way because what they're doing is they took their time to call even even in the last two weeks and everybody knows this has been coming and even last week in the podcast we were saying it's going to be February 26 everybody knew when the election was going to be but end is the one with the power as Taoiseach to dissolve go to the president have the doll dissolved and call the election and he knew he was sitting on that and he knew it's up to me to decide when this happens but he also knew Paddy's day is coming up there's a great photo up on Paddy's Day, and that's the former leader of this country going to the leader of the free world in Washington and having a photo handing over a big old bowl of shamrock. Yeah. You know? So there's a lot of kind of stuff in the background. So he has all this sitting on it, and he's like, okay, when I announce this election, there's going to be a scramble. The media are already all over talk of the general election. How do I take myself out of that media spotlight and yet give myself a voice so that people can... Social media. I control the video. I release the video. It's out there. People can watch it whenever they want. I don't have to answer Brian Dobson. I don't have to answer... What about the older vote that, that don't have social media? That don't use... But what about my grandparents? Exactly. They're, they they're, they so watch who? 6-1 every day religiously. They yeah. see that... They didn't know Enda Kenny did that on Facebook or his Twitter account. They didn't see a video, so... Like they didn't. So who did Fianna Gael send out instead? Leo Varadkar. Leo Varadkar. Why did they send out Leo Varadkar? Because he's gay. Well, no, I wasn't going to say that. But... <laughs> I don't think that's here and there, to be honest. Like, no, um, like, why would they though? But, but he's the Minister for Health. Yeah, which is and the a, health is, system is in shambles. Right? Oh, it is, but hang on a second, which is a large portfolio. He's also a very well-spoken man. He's probably the one of the Fianna Gael candidates that is, you could put money on him, returning his seat. I would say Radcar is definitely guaranteed a seat again. So you have all these little nuances that he's there. He's well-spoken. He's well-educated. He's a doctor himself. Yeah. You have all these little things. Or is he a lawyer? I can't remember. He's one or the other. He's very well educated. He's a doctor and something. <laughs> yeah. You know, so he's got all these things going on. He's very well spoken. He's a good debater. He's a good orator. Why would you put Enda out there? You have to remember, it's 
shield the leader. I be, I agree with you. It all makes sense, but it's it's not something I'd look for. No, and, and I appreciate that. But I would argue <coughs> that all of them do it. Mm. You know, the only one with uh, the exception, I would say, would be last year in the UK when they had their general election. David Cameron was pretty much everywhere. But that was almost detrimental in the sense that look at his approval ratings now. Yeah. They're, they're through the floor. What I meant about... And that was a landslide victory for the Tories, by the way. That was an incredible, what? incredible situation. And the polls got it crazy wrong. Yeah, the polls had it as a hung parliament mm-hmm. and it turned out to be a landslide for the Tories. It's landslide, yeah. But well, over here, it's slightly different. And actually, we should point out as well that we have reached out to all candidates... Well, from the major parties, all candidates, of the Dunleary constituency. So we've reached out to Carrie Smith. We've reached out to Mary Mitchell O'Connor. We've reached out to Shane O'Brien. So that's Fianna Fáil. Cormac Devlin. Cormac Devlin as well. Sorry, yeah. We've already had Richard Boy Barrett on. So. We had Richard Boy Barrett on previously. So we won't reach out to Richard again because, although we don't have to follow any guidelines of fairness because we're not governed by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland... <laughs> We're, we're internet-based, and you can listen whenever and wherever you choose, so we don't have to adhere to those rules. But in the interest of fairness, we had Richard Boyd Barrett on previously, so we're not going to get him on again to talk about an election. If you want to check out the, the chapter with Richard Boyd Barrett, it's on iTunes along with all our previous ones. So um, we've reached out to, to them guys um, to say, look, come on, have a chat. A lot of your constituents would be listening. Tell us why we should vote for you. What I just gone back because Sorry, you, yeah, you looked yeah. at me as if I had ten heads when I said... Leo Radcliffe was on six one because he was gay. Yeah. I thought I thought I answered it like that because I thought maybe they did because you know the momentum the from momentum the from the hashtag home to vote and yeah, the, yes the equality. And equality. Yeah. Which if there's anything that government will be remembered for in terms of positivity, it will be that. Yeah. But it, absolutely and rightfully so, my dear. Rightfully, rightfully so, so. but then a lot of people um in the equality camp, in the in the yes vote camp um, they would thank actually Amy Gilmore, yeah, for actually bringing that. Because if it wasn't for Amy Gilmore, we wouldn't have had to vote. We wouldn't have voted for that. More likely, because yeah. there's no, there was nobody, there was nobody in the other parties, big parties like Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil that mm. were actively campaigning for that to go to a referendum like well, Amy Gilmore. Well, I mean, you have to look at it. I mean, for all his for all his flaws, flaws, if you want to say. Well, yeah. for all his, I know he, he stepped down. He won't be competing in this general election. But, I mean, what, since 1982, I want to say, he has secured a seat in the doll either as a the Democratic, Democratic left, left or the, Old the Socialist or whatever it was. He was part of, <laughs> all the parties he was all in. All the parties that he was in before <laughs> he basically became Labour um, in about 97, 97 general election, I think that was, uh, when he was just a mere whipper of 10. Um, Neil Brannock was the Minister for Education going into that election. I remember she was in Column Kills, she paid a visit. Yeah, she paid a visit to Archers, or uh, what's it called now? It's not called Archbishop McQuaid anymore. Is it not? No, because, uh, you know, Archbishop McQuaid was a... Oh, yeah. A shifty, shifty character. Um, so they changed the name? St. Columbanus, I want to say it's called now. Is that not the church? Yeah, it's named as the same thing as oh, the church. Oh, is it? Very yeah. good. I didn't know that. Um... <laughs> Well, anyway, look, so, yeah, general election's going to happen on the 26th of February. Get out um, and vote. Get out and vote. Um, use your vote, lads. Educate your vote. When they call to your door, look, turn up your bullshit detector. Don't buy any old sob story. Don't buy any old thing. If you have a question or a concern, Ask questions, yeah. Ask them. Well, my, my requirement, basically, for who I vote, one and two, is who's going to represent ordinary people. Okay. That would be my criteria. Each everyone has their own criteria. What's an ordinary person? Like ordinary 
per- like how do I say give us a broad spectrum answer broad like I suppose ordinary person that um, that gets sick that's confident enough that if they go to the hospital that they won't get sicker and that they'll get help because at the moment if you go to our hospitals around the country you're going to get you're, there's okay, every so chance that you might get sicker so you want a candidate who's going to prioritise healthcare yeah okay what else Um. I didn't think you were going to put me on the spot, so I'm not ready. This is the beauty of it. Yeah. You can put me on the spot with any question, by the way. No, because you have, you talk for Ireland, so you, oh, you would have a... Uh, I'd ream stuff off. Yeah. I'd it off, man. Like, ordinary people, like, I mean, you know, someone that can get a job, someone that can confidently rely on their health system. Okay, so we're talking about somebody who is, you know, from minimum wage up to kind yeah. of middle yeah. income. Not above 70 grand a year, you know, definitely that kind, not that kind of thing, yeah. Okay, it's just because that's from my locality, my area yeah. that but, would but represent the mo- the mo- in my opinion. My do, do people who earn 70 grand who have worked hard to earn above 70 grand not deserve the same thing if they went to a hospital sick? No, but people, no, of course they do, but they're probably on they probably have private uh medical care okay. and they don't have to queue up in the waiting rooms or they might just have, they can. They probably have access to the beacon or something like that. Access to that's stereotyping, right? It is stereotyping, <laughs> but they might have VHI, VHI healthcare. Care. I'm talking people who I have health insurance, so I'm not. I'm not by any way at all rich, like. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's a conscious decision I made to, to buy. Health yeah, because insurance, it's part of, probably part of your job. No, it is part of your job. How's it part of my job? They give you the option if you want to sign up to the healthcare. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean I have to go with them. Okay. They 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 subsidise. Yeah. I'm fortunate enough to have a job. But I, I, I don't think I don't think you'd have, you you possibly wouldn't have VHI if it wasn't no, offered as got, a subsidy. I, yeah, no, I, look, I, appre- I appreciate what you mean. That and people have other priorities, maybe, and they can't. They've had to sacrifice health insurance yeah. because of the way things have gone in the country over the last number of years. And I I, I fully appreciate that. But I just I want the universal healthcare where it's not going to happen. Every, anyone can go up. It, I know, it, it, but look at the state of the health system now. There's no way know, it's going to happen. I, I mean, I, I will give them credit. They're trying to get nurses back in. They they need them, and they're trying. But it should never have got to the stage where nurses were leaving this country hand over fist in the first place. Absolutely, it's terrible. But I just, I'm always curious. I'm, I'm not trying to put you on the spot there to be a bit of a bollocks, right? What I'm doing is, I'm just saying to people, I'm just saying, ask the questions. If, because if you don't know yourself what you're looking for, how are you going to know what candidate you want? Well, that's and what don't I'd just be asking. Go, don't, if your mate is voting for Fianna Fáil, don't just vote Fianna Fáil. If your mate is voting for Sinn Féin, don't just vote Sinn Féin. Educate yourself and ask. And that, I say that about Fianna Gael and Labour as well, just to be fair. I'm not just picking out Fianna Fáil and Sinn Féin there. You know, don't just follow the herd. Ask a question and say, do I, do I believe in that? Because what do you look for when you vote? It's a big deal. Do I look for when I vote? Yeah, do you have a criteria? Yeah, somebody who's going to make things better. Simple as that. What are you going to do to make my life better? And in your opinion at the moment, what would make your life better? Get rid of USC. Give me more money. Okay. Give me the ability to move out from my parents' home. I'm nearly 30 years of age. I live at home with my parents. Would Give me more of a chance. Getting rid of USC affords you to move out of your home? It would put me a good step it away. Good step it away. So that's just one measure. And that's just off the top of my head. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's lots of little things I think that they could do. I mean, 
USC is the big one for everybody, isn't it? It was brought yeah. in as a temporary measure, and here we are with it still yeah. suffering later with on. With three stages it, of it. They've cut it a little bit, but I mean, they've cut it to the point where, boy, I benefit to the tune of a chicken fillet roll and a can of Coke a week. I don't benefit much more than that. <laughs> you know, and don't get me wrong, I love a chicken fillet roll, and I can say that because Lindsay's not with us anymore. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's small measures, but it's not good enough for me. Like, uh, my parents are self-employed. What are they going to do for the self-employed? self-employed? The self-employed situation is Self-employed have absolutely no, nothing there. Like, if, if, if you're self-employed and your work drives up, you can't claim the dole. Like, yeah. so that's you're not entitled outrageous. To, you know what I mean? Essentially, and you have to look after everybody else first. So, like, let's just use the example of, it's a small business. They're not by any means a big company, man. It's a small business. It's a couple of people that they employ. If that were to go to the wall, they'd have to pay all their creditors first. Pay off any bills and expenses. Pay off redundancies. Staff be statutory redundancy. And in fairness, we might have tried to keep people in jobs long term. So you'd be talking, they're, they're going nearly 20 years. So you'd be talking sort of 16 years and above of that statutory redundancy. That'd have to be paid. They're not entitled to it straight away themselves. Everything else has to be paid first. And then if there's anything left then, tax and all that then deducted. And they'd be left with whatever. But there's no... But there's no incentive to be self-employed. Exactly. You're out there creating jobs. You're out there taking people off the lawyer register. Mm. And, you, you know, you're improving that statistic. You're putting money back into the economy. And those people who are getting paid by you after you pay taxes and everything else are then going out and spending that money and putting it back into the economy. But if your business folds, you're left with nothing. So where does he incentive? And that's one of the things I ask every single time. What are you going to do to help the self-employed? Because it is. It's close to my heart. It's close to home. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So what are you going to do to help the self-employed would be one of the questions I ask. Um, are you going to get rid of the USC is the other one? Get rid uh, of JobBridge as well. Uh, yeah, that's, JobBridge I think that's one. insulting. Um, last time around I was, I was asking, because the last general election there was a lot of talk about the whole marriage equality and same-sex marriage and that. And I remember... Lucinda Creighton coming out and completely saying, no, I'm against it, and blah, blah. And she was still in Fianna Gael at this point. So Sean Barrett, actually, Kevin Carla, uh, called to my door. And one of the first questions I asked him was, where do you stand on it? Because it was a topic that I, I thought... What did you, you say? Know, he, he said, no, I'm in favour of it, and, and I would like to see people get to vote on it. So I was like, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Like You know what I mean? Um, it's been a while since I've been doorsteps. Yeah, I like, I'm not saying they have a knock, I just haven't been there. Like, yeah, I, I've yet to be, but I, look, I will ask questions, and I think everybody should. And I, I, I don't, no matter how disillusioned somebody is with the process, because I'm disillusioned myself. Look, I, I know I open me, I voted Fianna Gael and I voted Labour in the last election. They were my number ones and two. Um, I think I voted Amy Gilmore number one and Sean Barrett number two, and then I distributed it down along the line. Well, you don't have to distribute but either. You don't, no. You no, can you give can somebody just do one, one. That's the beauty of proportion. Dispar- or, I can't even remember what it's called. Proportional representation. Propor- uh, it's gone for me. I've done politics in college, for God's sake. I should know some of this. Um, um, I always just do one or two. No, we vote all the way down. Like I, I do, I vote all the way down. But what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to get across to people is, no matter how disillusioned you are, and I'm very disillusioned in politics, I think I've gone to the opinion where they're all the same myself. Yeah. But I'm still going to vote. Because well, see, a lot of people, a lot of people are disillusioned because yeah. nothing has re- there. Like the manifesto, the government, current government has before being the government, none yeah. of it has. They haven't like, and the promise to be now waiting on trolleys and hospitals. It's that's way, it's gotten bigger. It's gotten worse. Yeah, 
Do you know what I mean? In some places it got worse, yeah. Labour said they'd abolish USC. Now, I appreciate with this whole coalition, like, you're going to have to, like, one for a better term, you're going to have to set out some of your ideas yeah. to get in power. Well, that's what's hurt Labour. And that's what hurt Amy Gilmore, because Amy Gilmore was very liked in the Dunleary area. Well, he was hugely popular. Be- so hugely he was, popular. He was, he was the one that was forced in in the last election. He was the first one to make the count to get a seat in the Dunleary constituency. Yeah, and now he's... now. People feel that he let them down. He's that tarnished that he faced a heave from inside his own yeah. party. He had to relinquish the leadership of the Labour Party, step down as tarnished out of the government. And so that, that's why people are disillusioned because well, false. His, historically, the smaller party in government is always the one because people go in with this perception of the smaller party is there to keep the big party in line and keep them in check. So look at that's look, never the case, though. I know, but look at, at the Green Party. I was going to say, look at the Green Party. They're there back. Look at the Progressive Democrats. Do you know what I mean? So in the, the Social lo- Democrats now in this campaign. The Social Democrats in this campaign renew it even to an extent on this campaign. Either way, look, here's here's my feeling on this. Fianna Gael and Labour will not get enough votes to form a coalition by themselves. They will either need oh. to be backed by a small party, such as the Greens, or such as Renew It, if they even get seats, or a couple of independents. There's already talk that Michael Lowry will be one of them, but then you have Labour people like Alan Kelly, who I don't think will win a seat back, saying, I would rather... Do a deal with the devil than do a deal with uh, Michael Lowry. So, but that's it's crazy. It, 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 there's no, it's no wonder why people are so disillusioned. Anyway, it is. I think we should move on. And I want to yeah, move we can on. talk about this forever. Though. But look, we have asked candidates on. Um, it won't be just me and Graham going back and forth like that. We'll, we'll basically yeah. be asking them, look, why vote for you? And we won't settle for a political answer. We'll actually say, no, sorry, why vote for you? If, like, as I said, turn on your BS detector. And if you feel like they're talking BS, stop them. And say, sorry, now answer my question, please. Don't be rude to them. They're human like the rest of us, man. They're just trying to do a job. But and the difference is their job is answerable to you because you are the one who puts them in said job. And if they knock at your door to nearly write down, ask them, are you going to watch the Story Podcast or what? Exactly. Anyway, um, moving on, Dan. Uh, yeah. Six Nations starting this weekend. Yes. You're very excited. Yes. I'm, I'm not as why? excited why, 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 why? as I have been in previous years. Um, I don't know. I suppose I haven't got tickets this time around. Me I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't actually look to get tickets this time around either. But um, I don't know. I've. I've. My interest is, is, has has dwindled since the World Cup. No, since Draco hung up his boots. Really? Yeah. Jeez, I thought I'd be more of a fanboy on board than. No, look, I, I love rugby. Rugby be my favourite sport. So I'm, I'm I'm more partial to the egg ball than I am to the round ball. Um. Used to be but the other way around, didn't it? It used to be, but a lot in football has turned me off. To be honest with you, so disillusion in politics and football. And football, I'm telling you now, who would have thought that'd be a topic that we talk about? <laughs> um, but yeah, the rugby, the Six Nations. I I was kind of around Christmas and that I was like, oh Jesus, now it's going to be brutal because it's after World Cup and this that. And you've a load of retirements and people don't know what's going on. And but now I, the last two weeks, I've got the bug. I have my fantasy rugby team done. I have a few bets on. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I, I probably won't even do any of the fancy rugby this time around. No, I've done it all. I sent you a link actually. One way you didn't reply to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, now I'm looking forward. To, I didn't get tickets. I did. I did try to get tickets, but I didn't get them, which is unusual because we're going to have three home games this year. We're home to Italy, Wales, and Scotland. Wales on Sunday uh, at two o'clock. Yeah. So by the times people are listening to this, this that match may well be over. Um, or they could be listening, Jordan. They could be listening. If you're Jordan, listening, Jordan, or enjoy the match. Yeah. Or if what score is it? Or if you, you know, you could be on the way to the match and listening <laughs> to us as you're on the dart, yeah. heading to. And if you are, enjoy the match. <laughs> <laughs> I 
covering all the bases. But uh, yeah, I look, I am. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be between Wales and France. I don't think to England, win it. I don't think England are going to win it. You no. don't think we're going to win it? No, not at all. Not a chance. I I'm surprised. Right, there's a couple of things there. I genuinely thought after the World Cup we got found out Argentina cut us to shreds, and it was shown that if people get out wide and run at us, we're there's gone. so much space because we have such a rigid game plan. And it, don't get me wrong, it, like I have the injuries not uh, the injuries against the Argies that that not count for to to an extent. But Argentina played us off the pitch. Injuries are no injury. Even if we had had O'Connell and we had had Sexton, I still think Argentina would have beaten us. They just played us off the park. And they, were, they were unbelievable. In fairness, they were a great team in that tournament. I, I was really impressed by them in that tournament. But anyway. the, the World Cup was excellent, by the way. Um, is Sexton fifth for Sunday? That's a topic of debate. So he hasn't been. He the team obviously hasn't been announced. It'll be announced tomorrow, will it? Yeah, probably. Be announced, yeah, usually on a Friday. Lunchtime. Friday lunchtime is when it'll be announced. What's interesting though is that. All the talk was, will Schmidt pick the team, Joe Schmidt, the Irish head coach, will he pick the team on form or will he stick to the system? And a lot of people were kind of hoping that he'd pick the team on form and look at it as a four-year project, building up to the next World Cup. There's a Lions tour next year. That's a big deal. Um, and they were looking at it and saying, you know, now is our Will he be the Lions coach? He has kind of... Stepped put, away? No, he hasn't stepped away. He's kind of, you know, brushed them off and done what a professional would do and kind of just... You know, oh look, it'd be an honour to manage the Lions, but my primary concern is Ireland. It is in his contract that he can't step away from the Ireland job to look at other coaching possibilities without talking to the IRFU. However, the IRFU have come out and said they would be open to a deal that would allow Schmidt the flexibility to coach the Lions should the opportunity arise. Okay, very good. That's, so, that's sound, isn't it? It is. It's interesting because after the last Lions tour, when the Lions absolutely battered Australia... Lions, sorry, um, I don't get, I don't get attached at all to the lions at is it all. Because it's the British and Irish lions. No, I just think it's, I, I don't have an emotional attachment. Like I have an lions. emotional attachment to my country at national levels in sport, but, but you, you don't follow club or provincial rugby either. They really like. Not so, really. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. go out of the way. I wouldn't have an emotional attachment to club rugby. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd watch AIL games and I'd like. For example, like my girlfriend's from Port Arlington and her little brother plays for Port Arlington Rugby Club, so I'd often pop down and watch his matches or yeah. watch a match down to Port Arlington or I'd pop over to Sea Point, the local club here. And watch I have to have an emotional attachment to and watch have, sport. Yeah, and I have a season ticket for Leinster and I love Leinster and I'd go, go to their games at home all the time. Um, so, like, I, I do, I'm invested, I'm, do you know what I mean? Like, I have that kind of spark about it, but I think with this... With the Lions in particular, it's one of them that either buy into the philosophy or you don't. And I think the history of the Lions is what I bought into before. I'd, like, I remember the 1997 tour when uh, they, they were against South Africa. Or not South Africa. Was it South Africa? I have to remember. Jesus. Yeah, South Africa, because then 2001 was uh, Australia. And then it was uh, New Zealand in 2005. Um, I remember it was on Sky. And I can always remember Martin Johnson. And I can, and I never liked Martin Johnson. Yeah. So I had this kind of thing where, like, I wanted to support the Lions, but I hated. But are they Martin not Johnson. just friendlies? No, they're test matches, man. Yeah, but no, you see, this it's <laughs> it's a big deal. Like it's <laughs> it's Northern Hemisphere versus Southern Hemisphere, essentially. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, um, it's yeah. I I I know what you mean. It's just friendly because it's just you know three matches. But then 
it's not like football. It's not that kind of thing. It's um, look at cricket where they have test series. No, it will not look at cricket. All right, fair enough. But that's that's kind of what you're talking about. It's a test series, so it's a best of three. So they play three matches against whatever country they're touring. And you have to remember, rugby, there's a proud history of a touring team. Yeah. So back in the day, before it was like organised tournaments, when it was an amateur sport, countries would go on tour of. And hence why you hear about, there's a play after Alona stands, the famous Munster team in 78 or whatever it was, that beat the All Blacks. And that's, yeah. Ireland have never beaten the All Blacks, but Munster have. Do you know what I mean? And there's this huge thing about that. And you hear but about the All Blacks have full strength. I wasn't alive, <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm only joking. I mean? um, Come here, just going back on Sexton. You, sorry, yeah, we got a little bit... What's, like, because... Right, so Sexton is a player who suffered a lot of concussions. We talked about it a little bit last week. So, and there, there's clearly an issue there because it seems as though he doesn't need all that big of a hit to get in trouble or in danger. Yeah, so. because just with, um, on News Talk earlier on on George Hook's show so on uh, Thursday's episode of, of on Thursday's episode the, of the Roy Hook of the on Roy News Hook Talk. on News Talk uh, George plug to News Talk rather. George Hook had uh, Dr. Bennett O'Malley on of Concussion, of, of concussion fame. fame so the film that we've been ranting and raving about for the last few weeks the guy who this film is based about was, was on, on George Hook George Hook George Hook which I found a major cue for News Talk to get someone like him on anyway yeah. um, Hook asked him about uh, Johnny Sexton's concussion so he obviously gave him the, the background check and told yeah. him look have a look at this and he said that if he was Johnny Sexton's brother he'd be very concerned about Johnny Sexton's well-being that has got to be a huge concern I, I said it on last week's chapter and I'd say it again I love Johnny Sexton from the time I first seen Johnny Sexton play about 2007. Um, and then in 2009, when he came on to replace an injured Felipe Contepomi in Crow Park, and Leinster beat Munster to go on to the Heineken Cup final. And Sexton, um, what was it, magnificent when he came on, and then he was brilliant in the final as well. From that point on, I have always had a real kind of like love him. He's my boy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You get very defensive um, when people slag him as well, don't you? I do. When, when it was the whole Sexton versus O'Gara thing, I'd, no. I'd, I'd take umbrage with that and I, I would... Is that not just a Dublin Cork thing? Uh, no, because look, Raj is a legend, but you know, I, I had to had to back Sexton. Because um, he's a dub. <laughs> yeah, St. Mary's boy. Um, but is it time to pack it in though? Is it, is he's young this, enough. Like. This is the thing. He's 30 years of age. He's had numerous concussions. It's his fourth one, is he? To the point, fourth or fifth, I think, at yeah. this stage. To the point where he had to take an extended period of non-contact rugby. Like, he couldn't even run without getting dizzy. That's the stage he was at. Now, in fairness, he's be, like he was given the all-clear by medical. This when he was at playing for uh, Racing, Racing Metro, as they were at the time. They now just Racing 92. don't know why they dropped the Metro. Weird. Anyway, um, he was playing for them... He suffered a number of concussions on medical advice and medical grounds. He was told to have no contact for it was a twelve-week period, which was building up to the Six Nations, which was last year or the year before. I can't remember. Um, and basically, you know, the talk was: Is he going to be all right? Like when we play France and Bastereau runs at him because Bastereau had famously tackled him or ran through him more so, and he got concussion from that. And you know, Bastereau was a huge unit of a man. Like, um. Yeah, like, I'm concerned. I look at professional rugby now, and it's a point I've made over and over again, I'll continue to make. It's no longer a tackle, it's a hit. It's a hit, yeah. These guys, it's 20-odd years since 
the game turned professional and these guys have just got bigger faster and stronger and now when somebody gets hit like it's it, it's scary some of the some of the hits you see are scary and sexton is a player who gets targeted because he's such a good playmaker he can he can turn a game on a sixpence that's how like he is world class make no mistake about it johnny sexton is in the top three number tens in the world he's the top three fly house in the world but because people know that because they know how influential he is on the pitch to his team gets targeted over and over and it's complimentary in a way because they're trying to hit him and, and tackle him and get to him so much that they're trying obviously to disrupt everything but he's prone to concussion but surely concussion they're not is the, the RFU aren't going to be hiding that from the public though, are they I because of it's such a huge kind of health scare now nowadays with the non-contact ban and surely look the right decision will be made I suppose I, I would like to think so, and I, like, I'm suspicious. Because this, being this latest incident is either, it, it's it's either he's had four concussions, or if this latest one, that would be his fifth, if they confirm it. I, I'm suspicious. I, I just, the World Cup one had alarm bells to me, because they said it was a toy injury, but yeah. if you look back at the footage, they weren't treating as toy. toy that looked yeah. like they were doing a concussion check on the pitch when he got injured against France in the World Cup in 2015. This one a couple of weeks ago when Leinster played Wasps looked innocuous enough. Leinster said they took him off to do the head injury assessment check as a protocol. He didn't go back on precautionary measure. He's being checked. He's fine. I'm worried. I'm just worried about the guy. Like As a rugby fan, I want him on the pitch 10 times out of 10. As a fan of Johnny Sexton... And somebody who appreciates what he's done for Leinster and Irish rugby, I want him to be healthy, and I want him to have a life beyond rugby. Like, so from one of your sporting heroes to one of my sporting heroes who's been sick, who was released a statement this week to say that he's battling prostate cancer. Yeah, Brett the Hitman Hart. Brett the Hitman. I read Hart. it, and I was like, oh no. He's he's fifty seven now. He he released a statement on his Instagram. And was like, oh, I need to go public with this yeah. to have basically cancer awareness as well. And Brett's a man who's had health troubles as well. Yeah, he had, he had a, a stroke. Of, he had a lot of concussion issues himself, didn't he? Um, he had one actually. Yeah, he got a concussion. That, um, like was a nasty. He had to, he he subsequently had to retire actually, yeah. but he um, also suffered a stroke while he was cycling his bike in the mountains in Canada. So he's been through the mill, but he has to have an operation. Yeah. Bret Hart, for those who don't know, Bret Hart is a legend of wrestling, sports entertainment, pro wrestling. Um, anybody who watched WWF back in the day, in the 90s in particular, would have heard of Bret the Hitman Hart. Um, the Hart Foundation, um, his brother Owen tragically died in a freak accident in wrestling. For I was watching that live. Um, and the pay-per-view, what was it called? I can't remember. Over the Edge. was not, was it? Yeah. That's, so people who might know about this, if you Google Owen Hart, you can read about this. It's it's very sore. Basically, he was doing. They were going for a dramatic um, entrance, entrance to the ring, the where essentially he was going to be lowered from the ceiling of the arena they were in down to the ring on a zip line. Um, something went wrong as he was halfway down. He essentially fell something like what was a fifty. No, feet. it wasn't. He wasn't halfway down. He slipped off the. He, he was he was on in the rafters. Yeah, and he fell. It wasn't as if it was halfway oh, down. Oh, I thought he, like, see this tell you, like, I thought, like, he was kind of halfway down the zip line. No. Something broke or something released. and He was scheduled to be in a match against uh, the Godfather. 
and yeah. the Godfather's music hit and he did the Godfather had yet to come out because Owen had fallen. Oh god. It wasn't man. even his cue to come out, so he fell from over the ring and his head hit off the Tornbuckle. So the ring post like the ring post yeah. and his body was in the ring and I remember watching it live and suddenly the crowd the crowd thought it was part of the show. They thought no, he's Hang on, hang on, there was live footage of this. At the, when this happened live it, there was no live footage because the cameras were facing uh the entrance because the godfathers no, but, but hang on but did all this happened on like did it happen on a pay-per-view this happened on a sunday night at a pay-per-view in the re- arena in kansas city and the cameras were rolling but obviously they weren't focusing on this the, the the viewer at home wasn't focused on it but the cameras were rolling like jerry the king lawler and jim ross the commentators of wwf uh the cameras went to them and it suddenly just happened, and you could see the crowd. Some crowd were like hand, uh, uh, heads in their ha- uh, hands in their heads, yeah, in disbelief. And then some were kind of just, "Come on, get on with it's part of the show." And like there was a bit of a an intermission, and then there, there's never an intermission, and by the way, no, in those things. In, yeah. So um, it went to the ads or something like that, and then Jim Ross came back and just said, "Guys, or people at home." We've had a tra- tragic accident. Owen Hart has has fallen and and has passed away. They announced live on the yoke that he had passed away. They yeah. announced that soon. Yeah, they Jesus. he they, they firstly they announced they announced the accident. Yeah, and then there was another match, and then after that match, it said, "Folks, we've got bad news." And did the pay per view continue on? Continue, yeah. The show must go on, as they say. Like I was aware of, but I wasn't aware of that much. Like that, yeah, and then. The matches after that, the pre kind of, the pre kind of match interviews with wrestlers, they were heartbroken. Yeah, they just got wind that one of their colleagues had passed away from a, a stunt that went wrong. And they meant to go out there then and have and, a predetermined match. Yeah, and then their their show, the show the next night, Monday Night Raw, was dedicated to Owen Hart, and yeah, they all came out, and it was crazy. But yeah, so. Bret Hart has been through the mill. Yeah, like, and when you think, like, we mentioned there the Hart Foundation, right, which was basically a wrestling stable, which is basically like a group, a, a, a contingent of wrestlers who band together and form either, like, what's a good stable or fan favourite or a heel stable, which is the bad guys. The Hart Foundation was kind of the bad, wasn't it? Like, there were a bit of heel thing going on. There was yeah. Like, Brian Pillman, Davey Boy Smith, both of which are also passed away. Mm. Um. And then obviously Owen Hart, the King of Hearts, and Brett the Hitman Hart, who was like the leader of all this, like yeah. Um, but Brett was probably the biggest face in the history of definitely Bar Hulk Hogan, the mid mid nineties. Yeah. yeah, like he basically took over from Hulk Hogan as the face of WWF, and he was their champion. He was everything. He's the face of the company. Um, yeah. There's a brilliant, brilliant documentary. You're going to be able to tell me what it's called because I can't remember. Finn Balor, who we had in this podcast. We mentioned that, yeah. Um, someone texted me saying, what's the name of that documentary you mentioned? It's called Wrestling With Shadows. Wrestling With and Shadows. And it's on Netflix. Um, Great insight into Brett's last five months with the WWF. Yeah. Um, documents contract contract negotiations with Vince McMahon. He goes in with a hidden microphone and uh, WCW, the other company, Offered him millions and millions of dollars. He but turned it down. He signed a new contract with Vince. Then Vince said he couldn't honor the contract yeah. and told him to go to WCW for his own good. But what's what's key in all this is that it's a turning point in the history of pro wrestling. It goes from kind of the traditional and the classic 
babyface versus heel. So good guy v bad guy to what was called the attitude era, which is kind of what we would have grown up well, with. That, that, yeah, that that, that got, was well. I, I've been watching wrestling since fucking eighty six or eighty seven or something like yeah. that. Like the, la- the the first, I think one of the first memories I because I used to love wrestling as a kid. Like I mean proper fanboy i used to have wrestlers on a little wrestling ring and I used to play with them all the time and all to the point where uh we went on a family holiday to florida and when we were over there uh they had wrestling stuff that i'd never seen over here like it was a raw wrestling ring over here you used to just get the blue one remember do you remember that yeah yeah and you'd have one that you could press and it'd have sound effects yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that or like i never had that one though neither do i i only had the normal blue one where the steps oh, the steel cage like. i think um, but this was the Raw is War ring. Oh, brilliant. Right? And I got that, and I got a load of wrestlers that were like the next generation wrestlers, you know yeah. what I mean? And I was delighted with it. But yeah, I used to be mad into it. And Bret Hart was one of my favourites as a kid, because you always go, as a kid, like John Cena now, you go to the one who's like, you know, the good guy and all that Gives your glasses away. All that kind of stuff. And he's cool. Excellence of execution. He wears a leather jacket, and he calls himself the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will, will be. be. Do you know what I mean? Like, all Deadly. that kind of stuff. Wearing like, pink. Exactly. And you're like, it's cool to wear pink, right? <laughs> yeah. The hitman does it. All that kind of stuff. You like, dressed up as Bret one year, didn't you? I think I did, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was only uh, Halloween 2011. <laughs> but, um, but that yeah, Wrestling with Shadows documents. It's, it's brilliant, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. And, and the whole... Is it was it real? Was it not real? In terms of basically Brett and Shawn Michaels, the Montreal, the Montreal screw job. Even even if you only have a tiny knowledge, or if you're into interest, documentaries, it's gonna say tiny interest in wrestling. But if if you're actually just into kind of drama, and if you're actually just into kind of true stories, they are kind of like oh, it's, it's, they, it's this is a good one to watch. It really is a good one to watch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Brett announced during the week that it's prostate cancer. He has prostate cancer. So. Yeah, so look, tweet him. Man. Everyone tweet him. Best of luck. Yeah. <laughs> Keep fighting, Brett. Keep fighting, Brett. Because as you were mentioning there, all the nostalgia of you loving wrestling and the attitude oh, era. Man. One of my favourite, like there's the big four every year in, in WWE, WWF. Uh, like the Royal, Royal Rumble, Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, SummerSlam Series. Yes. <laughs> so we're just over the Royal Rumble. Like the Royal Rumble is going up something like... What is it? Since 80, 89 was or that, something. That was like the 25th one, 26th 27th, one? I think. Was it? Yeah. I loved my fa- one of my favourite Royal Rumble moments. Uh, sorry, breaking, breaking news um, in the world of MMA. It's not going to be breaking when people are listening to this, but I'm just going to say it's breaking news anyway. Donald Cowboy Cerrone will now face Alex Cowboy Oliveira in a welterweight showdown on February 21st. Um, Tim Means pinged for drugs. Saying that. Tim the Dirty Bird means he's been a dirty bird indeed. He tweeted saying he doesn't even he's never even heard of the drug. It was Osteria, which is right. like a muscle reducer. But you should know if you're a pro athlete, you should know about these in your system. But anyway, yeah, my favourite uh, Royal Rumble one of my favourite ever Royal Rumble moments. I can't remember what year it was, but it was uh, John Cena and Batista, I think. And they both went over. They were the last two left, and they were both uh, both fell over at the same time. So they came back into the ring, and one ref was saying Cena's the winner, the other ref was saying Batista's the winner. So they're like, what we do, what we do? So Vincent Kennedy McMahon storms down to the ring with his strut. The power strut. The power strut. He goes face first into the ring. His knees whack off the oh, side, of the yeah, and he's just sitting in the ring. <laughs> his, his knees buckle. He 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 whacks his two knees 
off the edge of the apron and as he goes to stand up and he gets into the ring he just falls yeah and yeah. does the rest of that scene on his arse yeah I remember and he's that. just pointing and he's like you're gonna fight him you're gonna you're gonna continue this yeah, match ring the bell ring the, <laughs> ring the bell, bell. Yeah, I do remember he that. actually tore a double he tore his two ACLs Jesus that's yeah. mad isn't it hilarious one of my and it's one of my earliest wrestling actually my earliest wrestling memory right because we're on a nostalgia boost can't be about wrestling um, Shawn Michaels throwing Brutus the, uh, sorry Mar- Bull, Bulldog no throwing Marty Janetti through Brutus the Barber Beefcakes Barbershop window Jeez, that's gone that's 92 92 yeah, that was my earliest wrestling memory because really? I was a kid and I totally bought into it and I was like <gasps> Why is there a barbershop at a wrestling match? <gasps> Why is he throwing him through a window? Why is he bleeding? Why, yeah, like, do you know what I mean? So, um, <coughs> and then, yeah, one of the other ones would be Shawn Michaels, uh, British Bulldog, Royal Rumble, 95. So, yeah, so you would have missed the whole Andre the Giant era. Yeah, I, I've no memory at all of Andre the Giant. Yeah, on, like, that. one of my earliest memories, my dad used to get me videotapes of one of his friend's sons, uh, and it was Hogan versus Andre the Slam. Yeah. What was it? The immovable... Uh, Unstoppable force versus the, the immovable object. object. Yeah. Good on God bless him. That was my earliest moment. WrestleMania 2 or 3 yeah. it was. I, I am Haven't missed one since. Wrestling for me began with, you know, Hulk Hogan, Shawn Michaels as the heartbreak kid. I remember a little bit of the Rockers, but I really remember the heartbreak kid when that all emerged. Uh, when he was with... Uh, Luna Vishan Luna Vishan Luna Vishan God bless yeah. her uh, Diesel uh, Kevin Nash Yeah Kevin Nash When he was Diesel Sid and Psycho, Psycho Sid. Sid Yeah Diesel had uh, The three moves of doom I think Jim Cornette <laughs> Called him He had yeah. the big boot The clothesline And the power bomb That was it That was it <laughs> um, yeah, well, so Obviously Hulk Hogan Was still there A little bit at that stage Before he Before he torn Torn cow Went to WCW um, That broke my heart yeah, the whole eat your vitamins. But see, that was the time where all that was kind of getting stale as well. And I think he knew it. So he 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 actually had plans to retire. Yeah. And then your man who owns WCW, Ted, Ted Turner, Turner, offered him a contract he could not turn down. Yeah. Showed up on the WCW program about six months later. Yeah. With Jim Hart. Jimmy and Hart. And famously, Hulk Hogan, the, the biggest baby face ever, turned heel in WCW. Genius move. One of the best moves One ever, of the best yeah. ones ever, like. Um, but yeah, so what else were there? His, his, his promo there, brother, was yeah. amazing. Brother. This um, is the new world order of professional wrestling, brother. And he, that's what he was with, uh, said uh, Diesel, aka Kevin Nash, and Razor Ramon Scott Hall. Yeah, the outsiders. We used to love Razor Ramon, man. Chico. Chico. <laughs> There's a great two pick, and he throw the two pick at the camera. Yeah, and he still he's like in his late fifties and still, still carries two pack. There are two pack, two picks, <laughs> two pack still alive. Two picks, uh, one in his mouth, one in his ear. Yeah. There, yeah. Speaking, we were talking about documentaries. There's another great re- uh, documentary that's just been released: The Resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts. I've heard Scott about Scott Hall. Is it. in it? I've watched it. It's, it's cool. fantastic. There's a tug on the heartstrings. I always Big imagine time. everything to do with Jake the Snake Roberts. To Tug on the heartstrings. It is, and it's if you've seen uh, the wrestler Mickey Rourke's the wrestler the movie with a fantastic song by Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, the wrestler Bruce Springsteen come to Dublin end of May tickets on sale Thursday the whatever it is Thursday <laughs> coming is I don't know the date this Thursday what date is it today what day or what date is Sunday what date it doesn't matter look <laughs> Google it I don't have a calendar in front of me 
All I know is tickets are on sale Thursday. He's playing Croke Park. Definitely two nights, potentially three nights. Can't wait. I love Bruce Springsteen. The River Tour. He's playing every song off the album The River, which is a cracker. Is that what it is? Playing every song off that, plus obviously some other ones. The ties to bind. You can't pray. Anyways, the um Back to wrestling, sorry. Up Bruce Springsteen. The the wrestler, the movie. Yeah. This Jake the Snake uh, documentary, The Resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts, is the closest thing you're going to get to the wrestler because a lot of the critics and a lot of people say that that movie is a portrayal of Jake the Snake Roberts' life. But it's probably a lot of wrestlers' lives. Yeah, 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 you could argue. Yeah. Um, Jake the Snake will always be a part of wrestling history. Um, probably not for a reason you'd like to remember. But he was there and he played a part in the birth of... Arguably the greatest ring stick of all time. The what? Talk about your John Tree oh, yeah, yes. and your because Jake the Snake was a is born again Christian or something yeah, like that, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? And yeah, he was yeah. and uh, at the King of the Ring tournament, he got to the final where he faced the Ringmaster, aka Steve Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and uh, this is where the famous. Uh, Thing. He, Talk uh, about your John Tree Seven, yeah. And all Austin Tree Sixteen, 3, 16 yeah. says I just whipped your ass. Yeah, exactly. Which was one of the most. It's it's it's. Should we use it in our intro for the Finn Balor? Yeah, yeah. David episode. That's how much of a soundbite it is. But yeah, he faced Jake for that. But yeah, what yeah. check out that documentary as well, people. Because again, if you're a documentary lover, I'd watch all documentaries. Love them. Um, um, Senate is one that we constantly bring up. As oh, even if you're not a fan of sport, just watch it. It's incredible. But the resurrection of Jake the Snake. It, um, you'll find it somewhere if you go looking yeah. for it and uh, that and Wrestling with Shadows are great documentaries I'm, I'm back just touch on documentaries I'm back on an Everest pose again oh, I haven't watched any of those Everest ones yet oh I wanted to God. find the one where you mentioned about the uh, the bodies were a, were a point of a reference point reference, like, of, the reference point of where you were yeah. there's a brilliant one I watched do you remember recently. what that one was called no obviously that's the thing it's a couple of months there's one that I watched recently that uh Jodie Foster does the narration for it. No I must find out what it was. But it's basically a team of scientists who um, they climb uh, they climb Everest to do scientific experiments on the human body. And um, basically at base camp they do a load of tests and it's stuff that's as easy as kind of like, you know, 2 plus 2 minus 1 equals. You know, and then you have to read like a sentence like, the hen in the house caused quite a foot. Like, you know what I mean? Just basic sentences. But the idea is to show that the higher the altitude goes and your brain is working harder to produce oxygen, produce red blood cells and your body's doing everything you can to survive, these basic functions, you start to lose them. So when you get to above, I think it's 20,000 feet, which is what they call the death zone, which is where like literally Everest is littered with, with bodies of climbers who have passed away and that kind of thing. When they get to that height, like they genuinely struggle. So... They're on a radio back to base camp, and base camp reads the sentence to them, and they have to repeat it back. So it gets to the point where they've been doing this, flying kind of up as far as like camp one or camp two, and then camp three, they start getting a little bit slower. Camp four, then, which is the final camp before you start your descent to Everest, like that's your last, like, you know what I mean? And then you, you push to the summit. Um, they get to there, and it's a little bit hazy in that, but then. When they get to the death zone, they start doing it. And it's a 
simple sentence like the dog barked at the moving car and he's like the car was moving uh, what's that what, what's that from what do you mean like, oh because because when you're up that high like your body is struggling think about it you're at the the, the height of what a jumbo jet cruises the altitude of a jumbo jet cruiser like so your entire body is doing everything it can to preserve and and survive like you, so you can't talk you can, straight you cannot function at that height you are literally surviving so your entire body starts to break down with things like so digestion doesn't work properly your brain is released so you get this thing called hypoxia which is basically where you're not getting enough oxygen, so you'll start to hallucinate. You'll start to get what they call like this kind of... They call it summit fever because you become obsessed with getting to the summit of Everest because that's what it's all about. It's a good name. But it is. Um, but basically, you start to... like. There's been cases where people have thought like that they were too hot, where they were actually like burning up. Like, But you're not. You're like minus 30 degrees below because you're so high up. So obviously you're not born and up, but they start stripping off, and obviously they freeze. And but um, but because of all these different things, like hypoxia being the main one, your brain doesn't allow you to to do these basic tasks. But they obviously they all reach the summit. Um, coming back down is the hardest part. One of them gets really really sick on the way back down. On the way up, he develops a cough, and if you develop a cough on the way up, because the oxygen is so thin up there, a cough can be fatal. Just a simple cough, like. Um, so one of them gets really, really sick. Um, and they have these, what, I can't remember what they call it, they're like, basically like a weird tent, some sort of chamber they call it, where basically you get sealed into it, it's almost like a sarcophagus, you get sealed into it and they pump oxygen into it, so that it basically creates the effect that you're at a lower altitude because you're surrounded by oxygen. And you stay in this thing for, you know, six hours, and it reduces the effects of altitude sickness. So it gives you a chance, gives your body a chance to acclimatize to like a lower level towards sea level. And it gives you a chance to get down the mountain. Yeah. But um Where did you find this? Just on YouTube. Just that's what I do now. I just Google Vegas or Vegas. <laughs> Vegas on the brain. Yeah. <laughs> you're up in the you're not open Everest. Well, tell you, yeah. Altitude. <laughs> Hypoxia. Uh, well we are on top of Cliney Hill in beautiful yeah. surroundings of Fitzpatrick's Castle. Um Yeah, I just go into YouTube and I just Everest documentaries. But um yeah, sorry, so but the point I was making was as they're going up there's a point where they're on uh, what's called the Hillary Step, which is basically like one of the last bits before you get to the summit. It's this kind of knife-edge bit of the mountain that you have to traverse, and it's kind of like one or two people at a time kind of thing, and form an orderly queue, lads, you're not going to fit many more, and there's ropes, guide ropes that you have to follow and all that. Like, um, And uh, just off the side, your man's like, that's Rob Hall's body. Oh, my God. Rob Hall being one of the most famous... Everest Mountaineers, I think he summed it three or four times, and then the 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 the, the blockbuster film Everest, which came out last year, starring uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, I can't remember who else is in it. Anyway, it's a great <laughs> film. It's actually a really good film. It's it's about the Rob Hall expedition. Um, Everest, good film. So, but yeah, anyway, so like they point out, like there's Rob Hall's body, and then they're like, that's where they found this is Sir, a documentary for George Mallory, and yeah. Like, it's mad. Like, like George Mallory's body was found. George Mallory disappeared in, like, 1920-something climbing Everest. And they found his body in, like, the 90s. But it was, like, because it had been in, like, sub-zero temperatures, it was, like, the skeleton was so well-preserved, like, and, like, his clothes were preserved and all that. And that's how they actually identified him, because a jumper he was wearing on the tag was written George Mallory. 
Oh my god. So yeah. Mad like so That's mad like crazy. I, Everest is just a crazy, crazy place. I would highly, highly, highly recommend you read the book into thin air. Uh, it's a fascinating book but also just go on to YouTube and just watch some of the documentaries Into the Death Zone is one in particular that's just madness like there's loads of them isn't there oh there's there's, there's literally hundreds of them some of them are very very poor I love one narrated then, by Edinburgh yeah he doesn't tend to do that kind of thing he's more of a no. wildlife man but he was on um, Graham Norton recently was he yeah I'd say that'd be fascinating and they were just there was um I can't remember who's Graham, Graham Norton would be, you know, you, you wouldn't let like a ten year old watch Graham Norton. No, he's always he's 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 been on Graham Norton a few times. Has he? He's eighty seven now. I know, an octogenarian. Um, His brother passed away last year, didn't he? So yeah, Richard. Richard, yeah. Um but there was a guest on I was I think it was a British actress. And they had like a three or four guests out first. Yeah. And then they brought out David Attenborough and she was just in awe of him. She was like, I've always wanted to meet you Yeah, I like David Attenborough is, I genuinely think, schools should build in, if you want to teach kids about nature and about planet Earth yeah. and that kind of thing. Just have schools, all his documentaries. Schools should genuinely build in a thing for Attenborough because I have learned more about animals and wildlife and planet Earth through watching David Attenborough documentaries. I, I remember like, being in primary school and in the, lib- in the video room, they had... Um, kind of a few kind of BBC do you remember the old video covers that look like books oh yeah yeah <laughs> they, they, they had loads of them yeah. on the shelf and they were all BBC wildlife um, it was almost like a school registered to BBC or something like that and they got them for free yeah Um, but yeah I love Attenborough come here to me because we're nearly out of time yeah we had a competition running for a little bit there when we had Mark Baker um, artist extraordinaire on the, the podcast he did and he was uh, gracious and kind and, and wonderful enough to give us um, a, a copy of his famous in tree painting of the king of the, the UFC king. featherweight champion soon to be UFC lightweight, lightweight champion, champion. <laughs> the notorious Conor McGregor um, and we had a competition on Facebook where you just had to like and share the photo of the painting to be able to chance to win it and we're going to huge huge reaction um, so 10,000 people like uh, saw the post saw and acted on it and we had oh we had hundreds of people uh uh enter so look here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna scroll you're gonna tell me where to stop is that what you're doing yeah that's what I'm gonna, we're just gonna do it at random so i'm literally just gonna be flicking the out do you want to snapchat this so people can see it's legit can you re- record this can you hang on push the mic a little bit so i'm sorry if there's a noise here so i am literally just going to scroll just gonna flick like up and that, down yeah right so you can see it's moving can you see it's moving on your yoke? Yep. Right. So I'm literally just going to do that and we're just going to pick up somebody at random. All right. You let me know when it's recording there so we can okay. verify. And it is recording. Grand, right. So we're literally just flicking the screen and letting it scroll so that it's going to be a complete random. Right. So lucky winner is. <laughs> Time's run out. Graham, they can verify it. <laughs> there you go, that's me. That's that, that's going to be like an echo for people now when they're listening back. Uh, anyway, the lucky winner is CNR McCann. Oh, Connor McCann. CNR McCann. Connor McCann Connor is the McCann winner. Connor McCann is the winner of the Connor McGregor in tree painting by Mark Baker, uh, the print of. So, congratulations, Connie. We'll be in touch with you. Um, 
and we'll get that sent down to you or we'll get it delivered to you or you can come and collect it or whatever way that works <laughs> yeah. we haven't thought about the logistics thanks for everyone for entering yeah huge thanks absolutely everybody huge thanks to Mark Baker uh, he was a wonderful guest but obviously thanks uh, Mark hopefully have another a couple of future good. competitions absolutely <coughs> yeah absolutely we'll, and we'll also um, to listeners out there in listener land <laughs> listener land give us some um, ideas of guest ideas of who you want to who you want me and Danny to interview Um we have audaciously sent a few crazy requests off to we crazy have. people. Um, we we have Skype facilities, so we can do it. It can, it can be anybody. Look, essentially, the, what what we're looking to do is, you know, we're thirty one chapters in at this point. We've given you a broad spectrum of guests, but we're always open to who do you want to hear? Who do you think has a good story and would make a good guest? And we'll try to get them on. That's, tweet them. Tweet the person you know? and 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 tag. At WTS pod in exactly. the tweet. Anybody from anyone to history, from comedy, from whatever. Yeah. Anybody. We're up to talk. Anybody, look, and if you think you're a worthy guest yourself, let us know. Let us know. Let's have you we'll a good story anyone. to tell. You know, if you have we, a good story to tell. We asked um, Attitude, WWE Attitude era legend Sean X Pac Waltman. We did. Yeah. Or 123 Kid for. 123 Kid, yeah. Who, who, a certain vintage. If a certain vintage, we asked him, we are awaiting his reply. So if you want to tweet him and say, are you getting on to WTS Pod or what? Yeah, we have a couple we have a couple in the pipeline, but we never we like do. to reveal too much. No. Um, but there may be a time in the future where exclusive content becomes available and you'll get a sneak peek to behind the scenes of WTS Pod. <laughs> yes. And, uh, we have a know. big one coming up. When yeah. who is confirmed, but we just have to work out a time frame. Which w- that one, I'm really looking forward yeah, to. Same. All yeah. will be revealed. But yeah, look, there, there's a lot. As we said at the top of the show, there is a lot coming down the line. We're growing, we're expanding, we're we're doing a lot. I'm excited. We're loving that. life. It's branded. And thanks for everyone for listening. Yeah, all the support so far, lads. We're we're only we're only entering our ninth month. Like we're only nine months old, and. Yeah. You know, you are listening in your thousands, um, you have supported us in droves, and we're just moving on to bigger things now. We've got a great venue behind us in Fitzpatrick's Castle. We've got a great team behind us, in myself and Graham's part ourselves. <laughs> got a, I've got a great wheelchair yeah. that's supporting my arse for the last God knows oh, how many years. Wheeling is believing, folks. Absolutely. Believing. But look, we're just about out of time for this week. We will be coming to you with a guest next week. Yep. You we, can follow him at Dan Joe Murray. On yeah. Twitter, you on can. Instagram, on Instagram, on Snapchat, on Snapchat, everywhere, at Dan John Murray. You can follow him at American Mania on yeah. Twitter, oh, on Instagram. Oh yes, brother. Uh, on Snapchat, you can check out Fitzpatrick's Hotel. Great place, as I said, lads. Valentine's Day is coming up. Award-winning, award-winning restaurant, award-winning venue. Bring treat, the love done up here. Treat your significant other. Just picture it for a second. The great right? jacuzzi in there as well, Dan. Is there? Yeah, we we walked fancy, fancy a dip? Yeah. <laughs> Cannonball! Yeah. It's weird because I always have a speedo on. I'm always ready. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but genuinely, look, if you're going to treat your significant other, picture it. You know, on a nice room with a balcony upstairs overlooking the beautiful Dublin Harbour, beautiful Dublin Bay, the Lady Harbour. Get Amazing. on it, lads. Get on it. Come up, check it out, and tell them we sent you. Let them know. If you like what you heard, tell them. Let them know. Um, so thanks if it's yeah, if you're bu- if you're booking it and say oh I heard you's on the podcast exactly yeah or if you're coming up for a meal let the lads in the kitchen now <laughs> <laughs> they'll give you extra chips <laughs> <laughs> no generally thanks everybody in Fitzpatrick's um, it's great we're looking forward to this long lasting uh, relationship long term relationship gonna have to put, change my Facebook status to in relationship now I head along up here to Fitzpatrick's Castle Hotel 
um, up in the beautiful surroundings of Cliney. Uh, you never know, you might just bump into me and Graham some night. <laughs> but uh, look, if you are lucky, if you are lucky, it's been a pleasure. And until next week, from him, and from, from him. me. <laughs> this is gonna. I tell you, these new changes are gonna be mad when they come in. All right, <laughs> look. Thanks for everything, guys. Good night. And God bless. <laughs> <laughs>